We're back. It's the Sagabit Swinging Report Show. Get ready for Saga news and commentary with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to the 53rd episode of the Segabit Swinging Report Show. I'm Barry. With me is my co-host with the mo-host, George. Hello. And we are also joined by Darren Wall, the founder of the uh, Sega Mega Drive Genesis Collected Works Kickstarter project. Uh, hello, Hi, Darren. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So uh, let's dive right in. Could you... Um, we, we actually we want to know exactly how this whole thing started, um, sure. and also maybe hear a little background from you if it was something you, know, you did or Sega. So go right into it, please. Yeah, sure. So uh, our story is that uh, a year ago, uh, it was September, October, we ran, this is our second Kickstarter, we ran a, a Kickstarter to launch uh, our publishing company and our first book, which was a biography art book hybrid uh, on a British developer called Sensible Software. I don't know if that means anything to you guys. They're really, really big in Britain and Europe, and then okay. nothing else outside the world. That was actually one of the questions I was going to ask. I saw that book. It's beautiful and all the artwork, but I just I could not place what that was. Yeah, they they made absolutely no impact at all on the states. So it's it's probably a really interesting read because it's it's this kind of weird Monty Python esque uh, <laughs> British software developer that that kind of just didn't translate well outside of Europe. Okay. Uh, and they had a great moment. They made a lot of money, and then sort of lost it all quite quickly. And it's quite a sort of rock and roll story. Very um, cool. And that was kind of like a heavy, wordy book. It was seventy-five thousand words, and we had one hundred and forty pages of pictures as well. So, an art book. and while we were doing that, we were approached by Sega in a kind of roundabout way. Uh, and I'm a huge uh, Mega Drive fan, uh, so I was really, really excited about that. And we were kind of asked to pitch a documentary book on an aspect of Sega's history. They were quite keen to do it. Um, so we pitched the idea of a Mega Drive Genesis documentary book, you know, kind of hoping that they'd have archive material and we'd be able to get access to original developers to interview and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we won the pitch and kind of went from there, really. Very cool. So um, yeah, did you grow up with the Sega Genesis or um, was were you more just a general gaming fan? No, specific, uh, Genesis was my first console. Um, I sort of had home computers before then. Uh, but yeah, the Genesis was the, was the first console I had. Uh, I had I had a bundle, I think I had Revenge of Shinobi and the Mega Drive. And uh, yeah, I distinctly remember playing that game like the moment I got it home. I think I must have been 11 years old when I got it. Um, and so I was always a Sega kid. So mm-hmm. I felt like I could really, in terms of that kind of pitch, that idea of, Sega coming to us and asking, you know, what is the right book to do? I, I really felt like I knew that subject matter, and I could kind of edit that book really, really well. Um, so, yeah, I, I am a, a Sega kid. Things like Castle of Illusion, um, Golden Axe, that kind of thing, that, that's what I grew up with. That's very cool, yeah, because, I mean, I ask just because I know a lot of people who are either general gaming fans or they grow up with Nintendo, and, you know, you, you can't really have I feel like you need to grow up with the software and the, the hardware in order to really understand it because I grew up with Sega my entire life. The first Nintendo console I bought was a uh, NES at a garage sale about five, six years ago maybe. <laughs> so 
I mean, since then, I've definitely played tons of games. I've bought a lot more hardware since then, but I, I just I can't talk about things like Mario 64 or even Super Mario Brothers 3 in the same way that I could like Sonic the Hedgehog 3. If anything, yeah, I'd be... Twinkle in your eye because it yeah. had that important effect on you. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd probably be quoting Wikipedia articles or uh, be basing my opinion. Like, to be honest, I don't think Mario 64 is that great of a game, but that's coming from someone who played it last year. So Yeah, sure, yeah. It's yeah, it's very different. That's, in that way, yeah, you're just kind of assessing it as a game. Mm-hmm. So that's that's great to hear that you're a, a fan, and you also are a graphic designer, um, yeah, so, which uh, is the second great thing about this. Uh, do you want to go into your design work a little bit? Yeah, sure. So my background is in publishing. Uh, I, I've done book covers mainly since um, moving to London when I was about 23. I'm, I'm 33 now. Okay. Um, and uh, along the side, I've done kind of record covers and uh, branding and typography, that kind of thing. So along the, the, the way of doing my job, I kind of, by osmosis, kind of learned the process of publishing. And by a network of friends and people in the industry, I felt that I could set up this company and, and do it properly with kind of editors copy editors, indexers, and production people, all of whom could help me do it properly. Yeah, um, yeah. So it didn't seem quite as intimidating as it, as, it, as it might do because I'd kind of gone through all of those processes before. I'd done art books and magazines and then books and records, and so I'd, I'd, I'd kind of done it before. So it didn't seem quite as intimidating <laughs> as, um, as, it would, as it should do, I suppose, because it, it was quite a complex thing. And I've had lots of help from other people. It's not just me. Right, right. Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, I myself am a graphic designer, so I was, I was, that was the first thing that caught my eye, not so much the Genesis stuff, but the fact that a graphic designer is tackling this. Because in the past, there's been, you know, a lot of Sega fans who have um, started projects and successfully uh, completed projects, and they knew the stuff, and they knew how to collect a lot of really awesome pictures and tell a great story. But to be honest, I've never seen something produced that really has a great sense of design and has uh, someone behind the project that really is giving it, it, it looks like it's designed well. Um, a lot of the Thank books you, seem yeah. like they're, they're uh, you know, photocopied, stapled together, and they're fantastic books. But this is probably the first, uh, definitely the first independent book that I've seen that really looks like it's, uh, uh, to borrow a phrase, uh, kind of the next level of um, <laughs> of Sega books. Very um, so and thank you. It's really cool that that comes across actually, because that's kind of at the heart of what we're trying to do. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the kind of the approach of all of our books is is kind of like we're saying that there's been a fantastic exhibition, uh, you know, at MoMA or something, and this is the book in the gallery bookshop. That's the kind of feel that we want to go for. Quite a definitive, minimal approach to mm-hmm. design, uh, and just as if you're kind of looking at the stuff, you know, looking at the archive material, the interviews in a gallery. It's, it's just supposed to be really, really simple and minimal. That's great, yeah, because I know a lot of people, and we have some questions coming up, They, some of them were wondering if it would be like an info dump, but the way <laughs> I see it, you, you can go online, you can go to Wikipedia, you can go to our wikis, Sega and Sonic Retro, and you can learn all this stuff, but you really can't sit there and look at a high-res picture or, exactly. or handle these things in the same yeah. way. On, on beautiful paper. Yeah, we're, we're really keen to kind of not do what the internet can do better. And mm-hmm. that is, as you say, kind of info dump and, and, and just kind of just all of that kind of collated, exhaustive information is, is kind of best consumed on the internet. But 
you know, all of these kind of production diagrams we've got, the Mega Drive casing, Golden Axe artwork and Comics Own ink drawings and things like that, you know, to have them reproduced in a large format book, I think that's the best home for that material. So yeah, definitely. We're trying to make the most of the physical object, not just doing it for the sake of it. So do you want to get into a little of how, I know Sega approached you, so as such they gave you access to their archives. Where are their archives, if you can say, and what they look like? Because, I mean, I've, I've spoken with Sega reps once in a while trying to get information from them, and you know, I'll say, where's this piece of art? And they have no clue. So <laughs> how did you do it? Like, was there a vault or something? Uh, in Europe? I've seen, well, basically, it's, it's in Japan. It's a, um, a Sega of Japan. Um, Interesting. Our relationship, we, we, we have a contact there, and basically they kind of asked us what kind of stuff we were looking for, and they just kind of went searching for it and would send us kind of phone snaps of things. <laughs> so, as I say, I found it was quite, because of course, um, Japan get up when I'm going to bed, so, um, and then first thing in the morning I'd wake up and, and find, you know, these blueprints of the Mega Drive on my, on my phone and just get ridiculously excited, and they're like asking me, is this any good? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really good. That's really good. Um, so yeah, we, we we asked for specific things. I remember starting off asking for stuff for Streets of Rage, Bare Knuckle, uh, and they found like a, a really old photocopied version of the design document, which they scanned and sent over. And then they'd find specific things like um, uh, title screen uh, paintings and character visualizations. And and then we discovered, uh, well, they discovered for us a binder of the how to build the Mega Drive motherboard. It's just like a huge instruction book, basically, all handwritten. Uh, and then that's when they found the kind of cache of blueprints, the molds that were hand-drawn. Hand um, and then from there, it was also we've got in touch with developers who've got stuff at home. Um, a lot of the American developers have kept it per kept stuff personally. So we've just got quite a lot of that recently. Like, we've got lots of Toe Jam and Il, um, production mm. art sketches of the characters and stuff like that. So it's been a mixture of... The archive is slightly a, um, a kind of nebulous term for uh, Sega's contacts, but apparently there is a big room full of boxes in Sega of Japan, um, which I'd like to go running around sort of semi new personally. But yeah. um, uh, generally, I think a lot of the American stuff had been lost in a fire, I understand. Um, so a lot of the box art that was kept in America was lost. Yeah, I, I went to Sega of America earlier in the summer and. Um, I, I kind of hung out in the waiting room because I couldn't just walk around the offices. They had a lot of games being... Uh, I'm sure they had a lot of stuff on their computer screens I wasn't allowed to see. But, yeah, they were coming out with a lot of really fantastic stuff, though a lot of it kind of was more consumer, and it was um, probably from the Genesis onwards. There wasn't a lot of really old old materials coming out and yeah. not any printed ones from what I could tell. So I, I wasn't aware of a fire. Uh, what did, where did you hear about that? We, um, we got in touch with them because we, what we really wanted to do was we got a lot of the original box art for things like uh, Revenge of Shinobi, uh, Altered Beast, Alien Storm. And at, at that time, as you probably remember very well, there was, was quite a, kind of a big difference between the US box art and the Japanese box art. Uh, and I really wanted to do a kind of comparison section of the book. Uh, and uh, Sega of America looked for me. Uh, we did a bit of research and waited for a while. And then it turns out that they... I think they kept it in a storage facility and there'd been a fire and, and they'd been lost, so, which is a real pity um, because obviously those paintings were a lot bigger than the frame that you saw on the box. Uh, on the Japanese ones, you know, they were complete wraparounds. Um, so, yeah, it's a real pity that that stuff's just gone there. So um, that's why it's kind of important to archive this stuff, I think, and kind of you know uh, put it in one place uh, in, in the best possible way. 
Yeah, and you also uh, talked about the um, Japanese art book. I, I forgot the name of it. It's on my shelf, but I can't read the spine. Sega uh, Video Game Illustrations. Yes, and uh, how much of that material are you looking to use? We have got, I think we've, we've scanned about, we've not used all of it, we've scanned that we found the original negatives uh, from oh, wow. the, the book itself. Um, so we've got, we've got most of the scans from that. Um, I think we, we haven't collated it yet. I'm, I'm keen to use as much as possible because I don't think a lot of people have access to that book. I've, I've tried to, I think I've got like a, an alert for it on eBay. It always <laughs> goes for about kind of like 70 to 100 pounds, um, sometimes more. Um, uh, so I think we'll probably be using about sort of two-thirds of the material mixed in with the new stuff that we've got and actual in-game art as well. I'm quite keen to use kind of level maps, sprite sheets, that kind of thing as well. That's awesome. George, did you have any questions regarding the project? I did have a question. I was going to ask um, what one piece of, like, Sega, like, the, you know what I mean? Sega gave you a bunch of stuff to use on the book. What one piece was your favorite, like, it could be the mega. It could be the mega drive uh, blueprints. Uh, personally, for because the kind of the mega drive, the iconic kind of imprinted on my mind game is is the Shinobi games, uh, and they found um, these uh, character portraits for each of the characters in the game. They're absolutely beautiful. So all of the kind of bad guys, the bosses, Shinobi himself, you know, the dog, big Rambo guy who's a Terminator hybrid. Um, there are paintings of all of them, uh, and they are they're stunning. Uh, and I think that's one of the kind of the the really great things that we found for the book. Uh, and there's about there's about 16 of them in total. Uh, no one's ever seen them before. Um, you can see it very briefly in our um, pitch video on Kickstarter. Actually, there's a little hint of it. But that that's my personal favourite. That's actually pretty cool. I was yeah, gonna. Um, all right. It, so all 16 of them are going to be in the. In the book? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. All the stuff that's not been seen before, I think, is going to get. Um, you know, that's that definitely going to be in there. That's that's the kind of our priority. And so, in in just eleven days, I believe, since you started, or how many days has it been? I think uh, right. a little over a week. Yeah, just over a week. You've already reached sixty-eight uh, thousand, which yeah. is well past your goal. So you're you're pretty much confirmed to be making this now. Um, yeah. Can you describe at all how it felt to uh, pass that milestone, and did it uh, match your expectations, or were you pretty shocked? I was very shocked. Um, I, I, we didn't really sleep for the for the weekend prior to it. We set it going on a on a on a Sunday at midnight, and we'd been we were funded two days later. Um, so I, I was completely stunned. I mean, I really, I was really personally excited about the material. I was sort of talking about the Shinobi stuff, and you know, when you've got such a personal connection with something that you think maybe you're seeing it. You know, you're inflating its importance and and uh, and, and thinking it's just an, an intensely personal thing. But uh, no, it was it was fantastic. And you know, for four days solid, just getting messages from people. Um, I was getting messages from from fans, kind of like sort of saying that it kind of really spoke to them. And you know, it was just we've had a lot, I've had a lot of chats with people just about games, which has been fantastic. And then we had loads of people get in touch with us who used to work at Sega of America, Sega of Japan. People have put us in touch with really, really big people at Sega who are now going to hopefully contribute to the essay and the interviews, which we never would have been able to contact before. Um, so, yeah, it was completely overwhelming in all, in all ways. I mean, uh, I, I probably shouldn't say their, their names, but some of the backers themselves are you know, really famous developers and, and key instrumental people in Sega's history as well. So 
yeah, it's com- it's been completely overwhelming and completely shocking. I think even for Sega as well, their oh, implementation yeah. of it was um, because to do it on Kickstarter as well was quite. Um, I was really surprised when they um, agreed to do it to let us do it on Kickstarter because I thought it was the right thing to do, um, mm-hmm. and they yeah I think that they've been kind of bowled over by the response. They they seem really encouraged. So yeah, we're we're really really pleased by it. So this this is an officially licensed Sega product, essentially, or they're they're granting you the uh, ability to do it, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we paid for a license. Uh, that's interesting. And, uh, yeah, royalty. Yeah, that's right. So, so it's this... kind of um, as if it, it's licensed in a way that like a Sonic plushie would be licensed. Okay. Um, yeah, we 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 won the opportunity to buy a license from them, so we we jumped at the chance. So this would really be the first uh, licensed product from Sega to go on Kickstarter, which is yeah. um, interesting because I, I really don't want to get into it, but you know, with a lot of the Shenmue 3 fans, they always say, oh, they should turn it to Kickstarter, and this yeah, isn't exactly yeah. a game, but it's definitely a Sega product being funded by the fans. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a proof of, proof of concept, and I think hopefully it should you know, push those projects in a, in a, in a positive direction. Because uh, I know Yu Suzuki's really keen to do it, isn't he? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure if you just say, "Well, if you guys want Shenmue 3, you better back this," then I'm sure you'll uh, definitely quadruple your um a stretch your, uh, goal. Funds. It may work. I may not be able to deliver, but yeah. A stretch goal, Shenmue 3. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I was going to ask another question. Oh, go ahead. Uh, what games are, do you guys highlight in the book? Like I know you said Shinobi and uh, Streets of Rage, which yeah. other uh, games? So uh, we've we've got pretty much all of the first party uh, Sega games. Uh, so all of the Sonic games we're looking at, uh, Space Harrier, uh, Toe Manila, We've got a lot of stuff for uh, Ristar, which is kind of a, a brilliant late era one. Uh, Landstalker, Gunstar Heroes. We've got loads and loads of stuff for uh, Golden Axe. We've got lots of stuff for Eternal Champions. Um, we're looking for some stuff for Dynamite Heady. I think we might have a lead on some development artwork for that. Um, uh, Bonanza Brothers is a really big favourite of mine. Alien Storm, uh, Afterburner, all of those kind of classic first-party titles, basically. And okay. is there any plan on uh, including any Sega CD or 32X titles, or are you just focusing on the hardware photos for those? Uh, yeah, there's not a lot of archive material related to those, but I'm de- we're definitely going to include some in-game stuff from things like uh, Virtual Racing, um, there was Stellar Assault as well, which is was a favourite of mine. Um, so th- there's going to be a couple, um, but unfortunately there's not there's not a great deal of archive material related to that era for some reason. So um, huh. we're all including game art, but um, th- yeah, there's not there's not a great deal. Um, but hopefully we can touch upon it in the interviews. Um, I really really want to have um, some um, somebody related to Snatcher uh, talking <laughs> in the um, opening section as well. I think that's a really important game. So hopefully we'll. We'll try and balance it. If we don't have archive material, we'll make sure the interviews are there. So um, we're, re- we're really aware of the what games mean a lot to different people. So we're hopefully we're going to touch on things and, and, and try and keep it nice and balanced where there isn't archive material. Very cool. Uh, George, did you, if you didn't have any questions, I wanted to move into the uh, the forum questions that we have. Go f- go for the forum questions if you want. All right. Well, this uh, these questions first uh, come from Nameless24. Uh, I should ask them to give better names, but these are their forum names, Nameless24. Um, regarding the funds being much more pos- 
possibly ex than possibly expected, would there be a chance to add more concept art into the book, possibly even a bonus poster for those who buy the book? Uh, yeah, that, that's a big yes. Uh, at the moment, um, I've just been looking this evening, going through our different print quotes and stuff, but yeah, we've got so much more money than we thought we'd have, and then and sort of having more money, having more scale in terms of printing more copies means that we can probably extend the page count, we can probably um, increase the spec of the book itself, better finishes on the outside, better binding, um, so we're definitely going to do that, where there's going to be a chance to include everything, hopefully, now. Um, so I just need to confirm that with everybody and let people know that the new page count. So it's definitely going to be more than the advertised 300. Um, cool. But I should be sure early next week and there'll be an update about what's going to go in there. So, yeah, definitely more, that, more stuff. That's great. So really you're, you're focusing on expanding the book. No uh, silly things like fly out to London and then have lunch with us. Or... <laughs> <laughs> we did that with our last book, the whole kind of meet the developer thing. But oh, really? How did that go? Oh, well, developers, I would pay to go up. Developers. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. No, just kidding. Yeah, yeah, then with Yu Suzuki, you know, just KFC with Yu Suzuki, it would be, be fine. Um, no, because everything's kind of, so we, we would deal with Sega, who speak to the developers, and it's all very formal, and, and, and we can't, unfortunately, do signed copies of games, which we really wanted to do. There was all that kind of, um, all that kind of personal stuff we were kind of restricted on. So uh, we've gone, we've gone super communist, we're just going to put it back into the book, so everybody who's backed us at the lowest level in the book benefits from the success, and it just becomes a bigger, better product. So um, I think that's the best way forward for it. Awesome. Uh, the next question from Nameless is, uh, will there be an in-depth review, this is a little more technical, regarding the Mega Drive sound chip and why the chip itself is so good at creating rocky or even techno-like beats, but isn't as good as creating more opera-like experiences? That's, an, <laughs> that's a little, little technical, but... Um, have really crappy trumpets, if you listen to the trumpets on Golden Axe. They are, they are quite um, kazoo-like. Uh, yeah, the, the YM2612 chip is mentioned. Uh, so Yuzo Koshiro is interviewed in the book, and uh, two other Japanese musicians. Uh, we're trying to get hold of the musician from uh, Vectorman uh, as well, because um, he did some really interesting stuff with the, the sound chip. So we're going to have lots of people chiming in about um, how they used it. Uh, we've got a British uh, composer called Andy Lemon who actually did the music in our video, and he's interviewed in the book talking about the really, really techy stuff about how the, the Yamaha sound chip works. So um, cool. we, we delve from anecdotal, um, humorous stories to really, really techy stuff, and I'm, I'm really keen that all the, all the technical stuff's in there. So that's another big yes. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's not so much leaning on... Uh, I know there's going to be a writer behind the book, but you won't see pages and pages of... Uh... Uh, technical descriptions, it's more leaning on the interviewers telling the story, correct? Yeah, we, we're kind of going for the documentary book, so it, it's it's kind of like uh, we, we want these personalities to tell you the facts, because uh, I think it's much more interesting if you uh, learn about how uh, Yuzo Koshiro solved a problem with the Yamaha sound chip, and there's lots of stuff with the graphics as well about um, X-flipping, about how that works, uh, and there's really funny stories associated with it, and, I, and it kind of makes the tech easier to understand in that kind of Star Trek way where somebody's explaining the problem and you remember the game. And, yeah, so uh, we're not shying away from it, but it, it's kind of delivered via the mouth of the developers. Cool. Uh, this next question is from Central. Uh, he actually has a few. Um, he said, I didn't see Reiko Kodama on the list of interviewees. Is she going to be interviewed in the book? I'm afraid. I don't know who that is. Do you know who that is? Uh, I don't want to look she... like an idiot. <laughs> uh... George I think she does. worked. I think she worked on a 
She did level design, and I think she worked on Fantasy Star, the games, the RPGs. I think, if I'm right, she might still work at Sega. Uh, uh, yes, a major designer on the original Fantasy Star series and a part of Sega WoW. Yeah, yeah she, she was yeah. mostly known for, I guess, Skies of Arcadia? She's also developed Seventh Dragon, which is more recent, 2009. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I see she worked on Alex Kidd and Sonic. So... Yeah, so if she works at Sega, that means that she was approached by Sega when we did a call-out, but it looks like she would have declined our um, opportunity for an interview. Um, but I will ask again, because obviously she's in the building and, and we can we can ask her directly, but I, I got a funny feeling that in the first process of the general call-out for interviews, um, she would have declined it for some reason. I'm, I'm not quite sure why, but we can chase that up, because that, that's a thing. Maybe just show her uh, how much it's raised since then. She'll be like, oh, okay, it's worth it. Let's see. The next question is, um, will the book contain a definitive list of all games and accessories released in all regions, like maybe in appendices? And uh, will it include any information about recent releases, like uh, indie games ah, released on the console? Yeah. Actually, the, the people who created the, uh, is it Pia Solar, the Mega Drive RPG that came out? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they got in touch with me today, and they've got a new, um, I think they're working on a fighting game, which is coming out called Project Y, which looks amazing. Um, we can't cover third-party stuff in the book, which is part of the stipulation of our contract. Um, so it doesn't look like we're going to be able to do that. Um, but we are starting a website next year, which is, I think, all the stuff we couldn't put in the book, anything that gets cut out, will live on the Website, so kind of longer form interviews with people, uh, things that were chopped down for you know for reasons to put in the book, will we'll live there. Um, and I'd really like to kind of curate that kind of stuff later on, and particularly interviews with the people who are still making Dreamcast games. There's there's a there's a guy who made uh, Ducks and Redux for Dreamcast mm-hmm. and PS Solar. So I'd really like to interview them there when we're allowed to. But unfortunately, our our contract's quite tight, so we can't really touch on third party stuff. Okay. Um, how about the SVP sound chip, or the SVP chip used in virtual racing? Will that be talked about at all? Yeah, definitely. In fact, uh, I don't know, um, we tweeted a picture of it recently. Somebody had taken apart the, uh, I don't know if it was the same in the States, the, um, the virtual racing cart for the oh, Mega Drive. Okay. It's really, really big. Yes. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, as, as somebody tweeted, the cart is a lie. If you, if you take it open, then uh, the chip is ex- uh, the chipboard is exactly the same size as a normal Mega Drive cartridge. Oh wow! Uh, uh, yeah, we'll be covering that uh, and talking about that. These kind of um, these late era technical technological advances, things like 32x, uh, the net the Neptune, the console that never happened. Um, yeah, they will be discussed in the uh, in the essay at the start. So we're going to have a few technical people chiming in uh, and talking about where those things. Why, why those things happened, where those things happened, and, and um, this, there was a, a period when I think the uh, American arm, Sega, were kind of looking at a, a silicon graphics chip for the Genesis. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, uh, and, and that's discussed in the essay as well. So yeah, there's a lot of kind of uh, technical 3D stuff as well. Very cool. Uh, this last question from him is actually a, a pretty good final question as well for, for our interview. Um, any chance for future books about other Sega consoles or arcade machines from you guys? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, you got a lot of stuff to do before then, so. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Um, well, I'd always hoped that this would be a series. Um, we've kind of, sort of, I mean, the designs on our Kickstarter page are fairly provisional, but they hopefully indicate an idea of what we're going to do. 
and I'd always hoped that this would be a series and I think given the success um, I think Sega will be quite receptive to us doing some more so fingers crossed I really hope to do uh, I think Dreamcast, I don't know what you guys think about the kind of popularity of the different consoles but I think the Dreamcast would be the logical place to go next um, That would, yeah I, I know some people might want to go in order but I could see the Dreamcast getting a lot more uh, both attention and probably being more recent have a lot more materials available than the Saturn yeah, would. Though so a Saturn book would be really cool. I think so, yeah. So I, I'd love to do a series. Um, so uh, this, is, this is my idea, but uh, go Dreamcast and then Saturn, Master System, and then an arcade history book as well that covers kind of cabinets and, and kind of broader approach of like AM2 and things like that. So uh, fingers crossed. I, I really hope so. Very cool. Uh, George, did you have anything else to add? I was gonna, I was gonna ask him uh, what the license from Sega actually let him do, but I guess he kind of explained it already. He could do okay. the Dreamcast. Uh, do you mean in terms of what I can't do and what I can do? Or? Well, I'm saying like I was gonna say if, if the license was only for the Mega Drive or yeah, if it extended, right. if it extend, the license extended to other consoles. Yeah, so it's just for the Mega Drive, and then we have uh, on on the back of the the actual physical licenses are just a massive list of the agreed Sega games, um, and, and yeah, and that's it. Uh, it's quite it's it's restrictive in terms of the games, but it's quite broad in terms of that kind of era. We can kind of touch on. You said you said you uh, you said you covered every uh, first party game, like most of the first party games that are popular. Any third party games you guys cover? Uh, unfortunately not. No, we, we cover them in the essay. People talk about them. There's things like Micro Machines, uh, which mean a lot to people, Shadowrun. So we're going to touch upon that in the essay. Uh, but because Sega see it as a licensed product, it's, it kind of has to fit in with that uh, first-party feel. It's quite good in a way because it gives us focus um, because there's, I think there's something like 915 <coughs> Sega Mega Drive games, Sega Genesis games in total. Uh, and to kind of fit all that into a 350-page book is quite a daunting task and we were talking earlier on about things that are done better on the internet and um, kind of like lists of games and things like that. I think that those are already done better on the, online. But uh, I think from the discussions on our Kickstarter page, there's kind of like we were chatting about things like Rocket Knight Adventures, and it's like, oh well, maybe a Konami book would actually be really good. And people were, you know, kind of chatting about that and the Treasure Book, which I'd love to do a Treasure Book. Um, that would be cool. So that would be yeah, I think. Cool. Yeah, that would be amazing. Hudson Soft as well. Um, so it kind of like led to the, the idea of picking the right kind of focus for a book and, and covering that, covering the games in that way. So, um, yeah, people got really excited about the idea of a Konami book, and so did I. So, um, yeah, so the, the focus from the first-party contract is actually a, hopefully an advantage when, when everybody gets the book. I think we'll see just how much stuff we had. I mean, we've got so much Wonder Boy stuff, we, we really could for the books. Um, so that kind of restriction is quite useful for a designer at least. Yeah, yeah, I can I can attest to that for sure. Restrictions and deadlines are the best. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of like yeah, budgets, deadlines, any kind of limit is really good. Yeah. If you've just got one font on your computer, fantastic. Yeah. There you go. And what font will you be using by the way? Oh, we're using a new uh, typeface came out last month from um, a foundry called Optimo uh, and it's called Plain and it's kind of like a it's a sans serif, but it's got very humanist touches to it. So uh, it's going to be really, really kind of a, a friendly tone of voice to read, but still have that kind of um, technical, um, sort of hard sans serif feel that would suit the Mega Drive. Excellent. So you're not leaning on Helvetica. That's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, Darren, I don't want to keep you up all night. Uh, I know it's late there, but I really want to thank you for joining us. And uh, yes, and uh, the project is Sega Mega Drive Genesis Collected Works. It can be found on Kickstarter. At the time of this recording, there are 17 days to go, and they're well past the goal. But it would be uh, great to get uh, even more people because I want my book to be longer. Um, <laughs> so. And we'd love to have you back on as the project continues, maybe after the holidays and for the launch of the book. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to uncover lots of cool stuff. That's very cool. All right, well, uh, thank you for joining us, and um, we will have this show up uh, tomorrow, and you can uh, you can link to it and all that good stuff. Yeah, we will do. That's fantastic. Uh, we've got some new pictures of Tao Jaminelle, so I must send them across. Very cool. All right, well, thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll be in touch, and we're looking forward to seeing what uh, other announcements you guys have in the coming weeks. Thanks very much. I hope to speak to you soon. Planet Earth. A scientist creates the ultimate machine. At last! A machine that will give him the power to journey into the mega world. With thousands of colors, 16-bit graphic technology, and 10-channel mega stereo sound. The most advanced video game system in the universe. Yes! Mega Drive from Sega. Well, thanks, Darren, for joining us. And George and I will continue the show touching on the latest news that has happened since our last episode. And we start off with... We were talking about the Weekly Five, remember? Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Why don't you, why don't you first start on talking about the uh, PS3, PS4? Well, uh, since the, the PS4 came out last week, I guess. It was last week, right? Yeah, uh, yeah look how out of it we are, stupid Sega fans. Yeah, I know. We're not, yeah, we don't know the PlayStation 4 launch. Um, since they came out, I decided we should do it like the Weekly 5, but this week we should talk about our favorite... Well, this week it was me saying my favorite five PlayStation 3 Sega games since it's already an old generation. And uh, I chose some, I guess, pretty controversial list. I guess some people thought I should have put Sonic Generations, but I kind of didn't think it was a huge game for Sega on that console. I don't know. I just I just didn't feel it, I guess. Well, but, I I recall that even with, with Sonic Unleashed, I know that it was a lesser game than the 360 version, there were some graphical elements missing. Uh, For example, on the windmill windmill stage, some of the windmills were actually missing their windmills, which is kind of strange. And I know those are tiny things, but I feel like if you're comparing one game and another and there's, like, graphics missing and there's some slowdown, it's definitely... It's going to go to the other system, at least when you're doing these kind of lists. Yeah, so I didn't want to put that game in. I didn't put Bayonetta because of the same issue you just said. Mm-hmm. It ran way better on 360. No reason it should be on a PS3 list. So I kept it uh, good versions of good mm-hmm. games, basically. And that was my list. And I think you're doing this Friday's list of the I actually, yes, I've already written it up, and it's uh, set to auto-post tomorrow. It's I love auto-posting. But, um, yeah, I will say that Bayonetta and uh, Sonic Generations are on the list, as well as some, I wouldn't say unexpected ones, but less, maybe... Uh, Lesser titles in terms of their um, price and scale, but they're still great titles. Uh, people get really picky about lists, so hopefully you don't get too much, too harsh of a response. Well, you know, I always say this is my opinion, and I'd love... If anything, I'm looking at it, I've got my five, and anything else people mention are just adding to that list. It's not like I'm saying, no, man, slapping you down, I don't agree with... <laughs> 
yeah, with, uh, generations, you know, or something like that. I yeah, I agree. I think people take it too serious, and that's why that's why I don't like doing lists. But something we do, so there we go. We do and, it. Uh, we put up with it. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say Sony's. Uh, oh, this is another piece of news we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Sony's third production team receiving many requests for Yakuza and Shinmu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, there's uh, Sony has this whole thing where they try to bring over games from other countries, and uh, they have a team that goes and helps other third-party publishers bring over games. They might be too, I guess, not, I guess, too weird to bring over for them, and so they try to help them bringing them to bring them over. And apparently, they've gotten a lot of requests for Yakuza games and Shinmu games. Oh, yeah. Well, without a doubt. And any Valkyria Chronicles, or do people not care about that? Well, I guess they just didn't talk about it in the interview, so I have no idea what it's... I mean, I don't know what it's... I don't know. I guess they don't... Nobody wants it. Oh, man. That's That's a shame. shame. Yeah, it is a shame. But, um, I mean, I'm sure these kind of discussions are going on with uh, Nintendo and um, Xbox as well. It's just... uh, you know, we're hearing more of from the Sony side of things at the moment. But, you know, we've seen things like, uh, with, at least back in the day, Shenmue 2 going over to the Xbox, and we've also seen things like uh, Sonic Lost World and Bayonetta 2 happening on the Wii U. So, I'm assuming Sega right now is pretty open to people helping. I wouldn't be too surprised if uh, we see uh, the Yakuza Samurai game being brought oh, over. Yeah. yeah, if anything, it would probably be Sony publishing that. And... Uh, Sega not having to worry about it. Because Nintendo's done that in the past for Sega as well. Like with, um, I want to say, uh, a lot of the Nintendo titles um, in Europe have been published by Nintendo and not Sega. Especially, yeah, the 3DS stuff? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I think it's a good approach by Sony, and I hope that Microsoft does the same approach. And uh, I guess we'll see in the future. I, I hope, Hopefully uh, games like Crimson Dragon do well. We know is maybe we'll see more uh, old school Sega games being brought over to the next generation. Absolutely, and uh, let's see. Moving on to this next piece of news. Oh, we're gonna talk about the the iOS stuff, right? Yeah, man, it's iOS month. It's iOVember. Uh, well, they they've said in the past that a lot of games are gonna be releasing soon. I know that. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 HD is likely to hit either this week or next week. For all I know, it could hit tomorrow. Um, but I, I was surprised that Castle of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse, released today to iOS. I typically keep up with this stuff, but was this a surprise announcement? Surprise yeah, was, release? Yeah, that was that, that was pretty surprise. Like I did not expect to hear about this, but I guess it is coming, and I hope it's a big seller. It's How already out. Sell- Oh, it's already out. Okay, yeah. it's, uh, it's nine ninety nine. Yeah, and it's it looks like um, Disney's covering the publishing because at least the video is on Disney's video game site. Mm. So um, yeah, but I, I was surprised to see this, and it, it's it's a great game. It's um, is it the, is the iOS title the same one as the console version? Just from the look of it, it's just I think there's less. Uh, the graphics are uh, toned down just a little bit in terms of polys and stuff, because I was looking at some levels, and they looked a little more blocky than rounded, but that's not a bad thing. So you, so you haven't bought this yet? No, I haven't. Typically, I, I bug them and uh, bug Sega for a code, but right now I've got enough stuff on my plate, so I have haven't you, have bought you, it. Have you tried Demon Tribe? 
I actually just downloaded that um, before the podcast, so I'm going to be playing that tomorrow. But, um, yeah, Demon Tribe released today as well. It is uh, from the producer of um, Jet Set Ra- or Actually, the producer of it has worked on Jet Set Radio, Panzer Dragoon, Yakuza. It's, uh, and I don't want to fuck this name up, Masayoshi Kikuchi. Kikuchi-san. That sounds pretty legit. I'm sure he's he's sitting at home going Barry. Well, no. <laughs> now he's like he's doing a bad impression of me now. I know. <laughs> Barry. Uh, it's so not like a ghost. Yeah. But the weirdest thing is that the game and it's a Japanese title, you know, and even the the trailer is subtitled, so they didn't go to the effort of even making an English trailer. And yet for for whatever reason. The members of KISS are uh, launch content. Like, what, what the... F- <laughs> I love how KISS is not afraid to, like, whore themselves out. Like, they're on everything. If they could be on everything, they would be on everything. I don't have a problem with it at all. It's just out of left field. I guess it's. Would you say Danica Patrick in Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed is weirder or equal to KISS being in Demon Tribe? Uh, at least, at least, like Demon Tribe keeps their like evil looking, uh, m- m- like look. Uh, yeah, I guess they both kind of make sense. I guess what's her name, racist. Yeah, and Kiss pours themselves out to everything, so it makes sense. Yeah, so it all makes sense in the end. <laughs> but I, I'm wondering, like, doesn't Sega have? Because I've noticed in Android, I don't know if they have this in iOS. You could tell me if they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, Android, uh, Sega has like two accounts. They really? Release games under one is Sega of America, or just Sega, I guess. And the other one's like a Sega Japanese account. Like all the Japanese games come out under. And sometimes they'll randomly release something like uh, the Hatsumiku Touch game, I guess, would be in a Japanese account, but it's an English version. That's strange. It is strange. I don't know why they do that, but that's what they do. And it's like I was wondering if that's what they do in the iOS. I see, you know, there's Sega Corporation that appears under the the names for the games, but um, that's an interesting question. Maybe that's something we could ask. Actually, you know what? I think you're right. I'm looking here. A lot of the Sonic titles on iOS say Sega underneath them, but Demon Tribe said Sega Corporation. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, it almost makes me wonder if Sega Corporation is the Japanese one, because I, I haven't seen... Like, I'm sure Miku would be Sega Corporation. Yeah. And, oh, Samurai Blood Show is Sega Corporation as well. So it's like maybe they don't even bother coming through the Americans and just hire their own, like, translator. That could be. Yeah, I'm looking here. Kingdom Conquest is Sega Corporation. Um, maybe it's the games that have um, MMO. Oh, Miku Flick. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, Sega Corporation and Sega are two different entities on the App Store. That's interesting. It's weird, especially considering the fact that they've been wanting to unite themselves the whole time. It's kind of weird that for something so, so like, easy to do, like, publish under one name, they can't seem to be doing that. But uh, it works, I guess. I guess that's something to ask uh, the community managers. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess the last piece of news we had this week, actually there hasn't been that much news, but... The last piece of news, Atlas is going to show their game this weekend, and uh, I guess they're under Sega now, publishing. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I'm assuming that the game is going to be uh, Persona 5. That's what everybody wants. So that's going to be pretty big for Sega. I mean... Yeah. For people that like Persona games. Do you like Persona games? I have never played one. I think you might like them. Does that make me a bad person? Does that make you a bad person? Make you a bad person. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> you being chewed <laughs> apart by dogs over there? Yeah, I am, actually. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's been a light week on news, light two weeks on news. Um, but with the holidays coming, I'm sure we're going to be seeing some new stuff. Hopefully we'll start seeing some... Sega games announced for the next-gen consoles, but for all we know, we might not see anything announced until spring. Yep, that's true. We, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I think we've had enough Sega games for now, no? <laughs> you think we're done? <laughs> I think we're done for the whole year, no. Um, I, they have been lacking in games this year, and I'm hoping they make it up for next year, for sure. Yeah, I mean... Do we, I... do we consider Bayonetta 2 a Sega game still? Uh, I'll take what I can get at this point. So yeah, let's let's say, let's say it's a, it's a it's a Sega. Okay, let's put uh, it in the same category as Echo the Dolphin. All right, then we'll put it in the same category as Echo the Dolphin. And uh, so this is this week's Swing Report shows, Barry. Unless you want to bring anything up. Oh no, I think that's it for the show. Um, yeah, it was a little shorter than usual, and it's uh, on a different format, which we haven't really discussed yet, but. Uh, uh, Skype uh, kicked us out, so now we're uh, attempting to do the show on Google+, Plus. though we're not going to be showing our faces and likely won't be doing live shows for a while until we can figure out how to really uh, bring something live that will include all of our title music and be a lot more polished than just us uh, speaking to each other. <laughs> and if we do do it live, I guess we'll give you guys invites and have a little thing on the corner when we go live. And we'll, we'll ignore everyone's uh, uh, trolling, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, then. Well, from me, Barry, thanks for listening. And thank you for uh, joining us, Darren. Darren Wall from the uh, Sega Mega Drive Genesis Collected Works Kickstarter. You can find that on Kickstarter at kickstarter.com. So, and uh, uh, you can see a link under the video in the description if you're on YouTube. Or Absolutely. on the blog post if you're uh, on the site. Absolutely. Links will be everywhere. So uh, from me, have a uh, fantastic Thanksgiving, and we will hear, you will hear us again in December. Bye. Bye.
Hello and welcome to the 53rd episodes of the... Let me do it again. 